0: Hey everybody and welcome to the Fiscal Frisk. I'm your host, Zach Hunter. If you like that intro music, it is a good friend of ours, the talented Chase Drew. Mm -hmm. Chase is an amazing musician, so go check him out on all streaming platforms now. As always, I have the man of the hour, my amazing co-anchor, Devin Box. Devin, greet the people, tell them how good we golfed today.
1: Oh man. (laughs) we were going on our morning run and we said you know what let's go for a round of golf we haven't done that in a while
0: and we have not hit a round all year so this is our first year together 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 together.
1: i've played plenty of golf a lot more than i usually have but the weather's been so nice and then zach said we haven't played a round of golf you know you and i in a long time i said screw it let's go now booked a tee time and it was probably the best round of golf we played so two, I, I two am, under
0: or one under we played best ball on a 12 hole one under one under but so. still
1: like <laughs> i don't know if y'all are professional golfers out there being like oh my god i would have scored you know eight under but like one under for us under par we were just happy as can be we're on cloud nine. Oh yeah uh, so I know I went on a bit of a hiatus for the
0: last couple of weeks, but hopefully you heard enough on me on Devin's podcast, the Health Science Podcast, which you should go check out, where he teaches me and you guys the scary world of health science, which goes live every Tuesday and Thursday. So for use for you guys that who don't know me personally, my cat decided to knock a glass of water on my laptop.
1: Oh so, baby.
0: But we're back and for that reference, my cat's name is Baby Doll. Baby. So um <laughs> That destroyed my laptop, so I was out of commission, but my iPad has come in. We're fully back to normal functionality, functioning life. iPad Pro. iPad Pro. I got the keyboard. We got the whole setup, so we'll be uploading back on a normal schedule stuff. Good to see you back. Thank you. I missed you. (laughs) Uh, If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And we have a good episode for you today. The Fiscal Frisk is a podcast dedicated to taking literature relating to fiscal or monetary policy and frisking it down into normal terminology to make it understandable to you guys. Devin's just here to act on behalf of you guys and ask questions and seek clarification when needed. So let's dive right in it. Uh, Today's article relates back to inflation. I won't spend a lot of time defining everything because we did this in the past episodes. Uh, So if you're unfamiliar with inflation, uh, please go back and check those episodes or learn about it now. And then you can go back and listen. Uh, inflation is essentially the rise or decline of price, uh, prices of goods and services for a certain period of time. So the best example would be the Big Mac. If the Big Mac cost $5 in 2010 and it cost $10 in 2020, uh, due to inflation, the price of a Big Mac has doubled. So uh, in a previous episode, I highlighted this, Devin, I'm going to test your memory here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do central banks tend to try to keep their inflation to? Two percent. Two percent. Your memory. Yes, your memory serves you <laughs> right. Yes, they try to keep inflation between one and two percent. Uh, like I highlighted earlier, the main reason they do this is to keep the economy moving and predictable, so you know that your goods and services or around year over year will be about one or two percent higher. Um, but you know what has been unpredictable? COVID. And investors and wall street analysts are worried about the future of inflation. So the title, the title, the title (laughs) of the title of the article is, the inflation debate is returning to markets flush with cash. And the scope of the article is to look at the debate of inflation and is it coming back with a vengeance? So Devin, it's been a couple of weeks. It's been a while. What do most papers start off with? Hmm.
1: Yeah, I haven't read one of these in a long time. An <laughs> intro.
0: There we go, the intro. So they start off with why we should be scared of inflation. And that's because inflation can wreck even the safety the safest portfolios by devaluing investments for decades. Now, a portfolio
1: young, to clear that up,
0: portfolio is just like what your investment is. So like your whole portfolio would be like all your bonds, stocks, mutual funds real estate like your portfolio so is when just you invest invest the
1: things you invest in, in the portfolio yes. they're worth a certain amount mm-hmm. okay
0: and then so like usually you would run so what it means by safest portfolio is you have some risky stuff you have some safe stuff and then overall you try to like make like a decent balance balance even inflation can ruin the safest Wow. safest portfolios okay and no one's safe no one's safe so and that's just kind of some blank terms we'll go into it later why it uh, devalues investments mm-hmm. uh, younger investors uh, have never been able have had to worry about inflation because we've never had an inflation crisis in recent years inflation's very like constant. Uh, the last major episode was of an increase in inflation was like the 70s and 80s, where inflation was more in like the 10 to 15%. Mm. So, and we've been steady one to two, which is a huge decrease, obviously, like five times less the amount in the last 20 years, 40 years.
1: No, uh, yeah, like I, I wanted to ask, because in some of the previous episodes, we've said like a, a good inflation means the economy's kind of going pretty good. But obviously, mm-hmm. like, is there a cutoff at which it kind of goes bad, like 10 and 15? It's obviously a lot higher than two. Would two to five be like good economy? Like, is that kind of what, why they aim for that?
0: Yeah. And like the, like, there's really no direct, like, I can't say like anything above this percent is bad Yeah, because like, it depends on your monetary policy goals. Like some places would want Um. a little bit higher of inflation if like they're trying to get more cash or more capital in their economy. And we'll talk about this later because this all has to do with the amount of money that's circulated within an economy. Yeah. Um, and like how that can in, like reflect inflation, because like the two worst case scenarios here is is inflation going to come back and be really high and like the high percent or is there going to be this thing called deflation, which is the decrease of goods and services? Yeah. So just kind of what that means. OK. But so, it's always contextual. Yeah, like, everything it's, it's like, finance, again, it's like everything in finance and everything in finance. It's just a case by case. Yeah. And it okay. depends on like, again, like all your policies and what you're trying to go for. Um, So the authors make the bold claim that uh, the pandemic has changed everything in the world, which obviously that's true. And some of the most respected Wall Street heavyweights, so the two is Pacific Investment Management and Alliance uh, Bernstein. Uh, They hold a lot of like pretty much all investments in the U.S. Uh, Say that inflation is a problem that is bound to return and it's been too low. So this has now become the trillion dollar question. Uh, So we're going to talk about the main view, and that is that central banks can rescue, in quotations, rescue, because that's not always true, their economies (laughs) now without destabilizing prices in the future. So this just means that they can use these monetary policy changes without changing their long-term monetary policy goals. So you know how we talked about in past episodes, like when you change exchange rates, that can screw up the exchange rates in the future, even though it might be a short-term fix. Yeah. So that's just kind of the whole goal about this is that we can uh, save the economy without screwing up the economy in the future. Okay. Um. So sounds bond, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, again, claim bonds, which is the asset most vulnerable to inflation, because it's like directly um, correlated to government government bonds. Cause is it? Gov- yeah, because it's yeah. government ran. So is it, yeah, a bond
1: is is just a type of investment that somebody would place and it's just essentially in the government. So it's the most tied.
0: And it's pretty much like default free because obviously the government isn't going to go bankrupt. So when you technically, like what a bond is, is you're giving the government money and they're like lending, like you're lending money to the government and they're promising to pay you it back at a future date with interest. And then the interest yep. rate has a direct correlation to inflation rates. So if inflation yeah. is high, the interest rate is low. It has the reverse correlation. Okay. And then if it's low, then interest rates are high because that means that your money is worth more.
1: Okay. So it's essentially and, fixed, right? Because it's like, oh, your money's worth less, it's so pegged, we give you right? more. Yeah. <laughs> or if your money's worth more, we give you less. Exactly. So you're always gonna get okay.
0: <laughs> and then so um, they like so bonds have been, Underperformed well below central banks' targets across developed markets. So, just for an example, the euro uh, inflation isn't expected to reach the European central uh, central banks' like targets for the next thirty years. Meaning that everything's been so stable, um, like bond yields. Yields is like pretty much what like the interest rates are have not changed and are not expected to change for the thirty years pre COVID. So, it just means that they've been super stable and they're pretty much yielding crap like you're not making so this barely case, money. stable yeah means
1: just hasn't done anything like exactly. it's just chilling so the, the <laughs> issue well is get so a savings account yeah.
0: and then here's the other issue with government rand investments because the issue right now is with governments paying wages and handing out these loans mailing out these checks like you got serb you have like the small business loans like Governments are just printing money right now, right? There is an unprecedented amount of new cash in the system. So that just means that there's more money in the whole financial system.
1: Yeah. Um, More circulating.
0: Yeah. And so there's more uh, money available to potentially chase fewer goods, which is a definition for why prices rise. If there's more money, but you're not selling more goods, prices rise if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, cuz you're just there's more money and if you're not if it's not stimulating the economy, it's just sitting yeah. there stale. And then just like not worth like by much.
0: definition, like if there's more money and you're not buying more goods, they have to raise the price of goods because there's more money.
1: And then your money's not worth as much,
0: which is there you go. the issue with putting too much money in. So if you look um, if you look at what you have now compared to the past, we have larger triggers, uh, that would point to higher inflation because more money equals less control of businesses and goods. And if you look at inflation numbers, you have more days with higher inflation compared to now. And this was just a quote from, uh, the EU government bond portfolio manager. So this is like the whole point of like that quote was to show like, Bonds back in like the 1780s because of like the high inflation bonds were actually a really good investment. But like, if you took like the 1780s averages of inflation to now, it just reiterates that now it's super stable, super low. Uh, But again, that's the issue with the pandemic is now everything is you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Hmm. Uh, Like to further the example, they uh, use the example of Japan because, um, they wanted to describe why stimulus spending doesn't necessarily drive inflation. Uh, the country poured money into its economy for a generation to little or no avail at getting prices to budge. So Japan didn't want to peg its money directly to China. So they put so much money in their economy to try to budge like the like low prices because everything was so low price. So they put a whole bunch of money into the economy to try to raise prices but it didn't move at all. So it's clar-
1: clarify like raise prices of of like goods so we, and
0: services. Like this is just market wide like this could be anything like food, electronics, like just goods okay, and services. Okay, so it was it
1: was because their their I guess closest biggest economic uh, comparator would be China. Mhm. So you peg it to that. They don't don't, don't want to do that
0: because prices were so low. So they wanted to drive higher prices. Okay. so they put but doesn't doesn't
1: china produce so much money that it devalues their currency
0: well then like this was i don't know when they use this example for yeah. but like before they're like i know in like the early 80s early 90s like before like a lot of huge amount of economic trade prices were really low in china
1: really low yeah and then japan didn't like that so they funneled a bunch stim, of money. like
0: stimulated a whole bunch of money um okay. and, yeah uh, buh, buh, buh. So the, so they couldn't get prices to budge. So it sucked the life out of the markets in the process. And the country has been forced to uh, battle permanently weak growth as the population ages. So what's scary about this scenario is Canada is to seem, is the, has the same type of demographic and pretty much what the whole example means is if you put a lot of money into the economy, it might make individuals better off, but actually screwed up like their actual market output in the process. Because when people like when you have an aging demographic, you're, you're more hesitant to put money in the market, obviously, because you Mm -hmm. need that money, you need safe investments. So if you give the individuals more money, they're not going to put that in investments. They would rather use that or spend that or do that. So then that's why a prices didn't budge and b the market crashed.
1: Well, that's like with with COVID I know here, like there are a lot of people that are behind, you know, pretty big movements to try to say, okay, you might be on government money right now. Yeah. But the point of them giving you money is to say, you've still got financial security. And what do people, what are they supposed to do when they've got financial security, make investments, make purchases, right? So if, if you are on government money, some people might actually be saving more money because they're, they're changing their spending habits. Right. Right. So when you get that check, invest it, right. Go out the goal, go with local business, like, like try to still do essentially air quote normal spending. Yeah. Right. And when you don't do that, this is kind of what we get in Japan and we might get here.
0: Yeah. Well, and then that's what they're kind of getting uh, to the conclusion to was that because like, it doesn't necessarily mean that'll lead to higher inflation, but it might mean like a very unstable market. Mm-hmm. So if we're not gonna have one, we might have the other. And again, we can, they make the conclusion that Canada has the same type of demographic and it, and Canada has used obviously a lot of stimulus packages. Yeah, And we do have that aging demographic. So if they don't invest, what does that mean for the market if they're using that money? What does that mean for the prices of goods yeah. and services? Too? Might go stale. Yeah, exactly. So now, does that mean Canada is doomed for high inflation rates? Rates, and we'll have to pay fifty dollars for the Big Mac. No, but it does. <laughs> it, it, but it could change the way governments do stimulus packages. And yeah, like that's all they're like concluding to is that whole liberal versus conservative. Like, do we need high stimulus packages to get us out of this economic uncertainty? Yeah. And they just said like, was, is this the best way? And obviously it's easy to say that like this, like they don't do many conclusions here, but like they just like, just how should we view this moving forward? Like what are some things that we can learn? And so now I'm um, on to the next um, portion of this article and that's deflation. So I know I said that earlier and it is the complete opposite of the example that I highlighted, uh, the Japan example. Mm-hmm. So this would happen if uh, people come from the pandemic uh, less willing to spend either because now they are unemployed or simply don't have the same money to spend prices for goods and services, uh, will fall. And the last time that we would have seen a large, uh, deflation would have been in the, like the thirties, which we all know was the worst economic downpoint in history the dirty thirties. the dirty 30s, the dirty 30s. Hey, it's been a
1: while we've done pretty well at least yeah, <laughs> yeah but, and then concerned. again so
0: it's just like the the whole point of this article is there's two ways that we're going to come out of this pandemic and is that going to be either a we're gonna the government because the government already cut our checks like we already have lots of money stimulating the economy so are people going to invest that money go into the economy or because we're unemployed and we are starting to change our lifestyles, like things aren't fully open, we don't have lots of things to spend our money on, are we not gonna spend our money and then our money's actually gonna be worth less or like more? So if you're an investor, here's the question that you must ask yourself, is the coronavirus more of a shock to demand because people are spending less or to supply from like factories shutting down so that is the big question like obviously Mm. we can't answer that but if you are investing so this is like kind of like the key takeaway from the article is if you're investing how do you think the coronavirus will change people's habits so that's just some food for thought And this, this is a great question because depending on your answer or how quick we recover from this pandemic, this would actually change your investing strategy completely because if people don't have money to spend, they won't spend it, which in turns companies do worse. And if sales are down, investments are down, which leads to goods and services causing less or the opposite effect where government spends money and we have more money as a country and goods and services are actually more expensive. So companies actually do better Their stocks do better. So are you going to invest in companies and do stocks or are you going to go on the safer side and hopefully inflation doesn't go increase? So if you do government bonds, inflation goes up, then your bonds are actually worth less and then you're screwed over. Or companies do well and then, or like they actually do worse because people don't spend money, stocks go down. So like it's going to be either or scenario, right? Hmm. So.
1: Might be kind of neat like just to speculate on you know, the, there, there might be some sort of connection between how, and I guess air quote, how well a country deals with COVID. Right. And, and maybe how far they would be pushed. Cause again, you would say Canada's we've a lot of spending. People are doing pretty well. And I think all things considered Canada's handled the problem of COVID pretty darn well. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and here, uh, a lot of people are still ordering takeout. Right, like they're right. still they're still putting their money back in, and that's just anecdotal. That's kind of what I'm seeing. Right. Um, and well, whether and that's that happening are across across yeah. the country, different question. Very different. Um, but that might be in relation to how how do the how do the people feel about the government? Right, like has the yeah. government done a good job? And they'll say, yeah, I'm going to spend my money. Right. But if there's that lack of trust in just the government, and and where am I going to put my money? That might cause people to shell up more. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, maybe Canada versus states. And I know a lot of our economy kind of piggybacks on the United States and what they're doing. But because of the dramatic difference in our responses, we might have very different kind of economic directions after COVID, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and again, there's just so much going on in the world too, like like just without the pandemic, with the whole BLM movement, Mm -hmm. with all of like... There's just so many different factors
1: at hand. It's a lot of, like, when all the dust settles, yeah, like, you'd be so, like, what does it look like? Cause and, there's so much. <laughs> like, you know,
0: because like, and people are kind of starting to get cocky now, which is like the funny thing that like I, I've seen in like investments because we had the initial spike of like the stock market going down. Like we had like the little bit of consistency of like the stocks and the whole stock market, but it recovered really quickly. And like, we're still back up and we're at highs. And like, so this is kind of the first time and maybe I should do a, uh, an episode on this in the future is if the stock market is pegged to how well the economy is doing, because as we can see the economy is not doing like completely strong, but the stock stock market has been strong and yeah. recovered. So it's like kind of where, why can we do that? Um, I remember
1: we, we just in a, in a conversation with Spencer had brought that up and it's, it's, just such a big disconnect between, right. you know, the economy, when you look at the economy, like how many jobs are there, right? Like all that kind of stuff versus a stock market think most people would say those are kind of intertwined but right. yeah because one's doing so well while the other is struggling it's like do those actually even mean anything to each other mm-hmm.
0: and the i want to say one last quote and i like i know we've talked about this a lot so i kind of want us to have a, a little bit of a talk about this and um this is a very bold statement and i just i love uh these arguments because again i have a minor in political science and in a lot of my business and government classes a lot of people just bring this up and like they act like it's so easy so i i just really want to get your opinion on this um so this is a quote hot takes yeah so, so this, we're doing is, this okay. is a quote directly <laughs> from the article and one of the consequences so that they said this is a consequence of covid will be less of a drive to push for the cheapest venue for production but to have more of that production within your own borders which will be a higher cost Mm. so i thought that this was very interesting are we are we
1: gonna go up against the 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 <laughs> globalization <laughs> mob is that what we're doing no <laughs>
0: <laughs> well because like you know this is a very like hot like hot take right now right like again that's why a lot of people like trump about bringing back the production to the us and like bring it like they want the jobs back yeah they want everything there so like they're saying because of the coronavirus and because of the pandemic is we're like we actually don't care about prices anymore but about the production. So we're willing to pay higher prices if production say is higher within Canada, within the U S within wherever you may live. So I just kind of wanted to get your yeah. thoughts on this.
1: No, it's, it's a delicate thing to kind of to kind of parse out cause it's, it's so vast. And I think, you know, having, you know, low, low, uh, low cost services and, and products, you know, from importing them, um, that benefits a lot of people that can't, right. that just can't pay for, for certain goods and services where they can you know, get foreign stuff. And, you know, there's a certain amount of competition if it's regulated properly, you know, having it's good, having, it's good. It can be a good thing. Um, Yeah. And, and it's up too. and everybody says, and the one thing that, you know, you pointed out Trump was, you know, he hit a lot of tariffs and stuff on some of the auto industry things. Right. And, you know, there were a lot of people saying, yeah, you need to punish them. And then people think thinking, well, it's kind of too late to punish them. They already left. Right. Um, you know, and it's interesting because to me, I'm thinking, well, you know, think about the timing. Like, had there been more of a uh, pull factor to keep these companies in the United States or in Canada yeah. before they went to to overseas production or Mexico, um, would that have looked differently at the time? But it also is naive to say that there's just one solution, right? I think everything yeah. plays out for a reason. And if that's the consequence of it and there's experts kind of saying that it would be something to at least keep tabs on Right, what it would look like. I mean, I'm not an expert in that, but yeah. it, it could be it could be an interesting shift toward that. And even just with uh, trust. Right. Yeah. Like I think there are a lot of people and, and re- even just regardless of what politicians say. Right. Like just get rid of, of all government officials you know some people's opinions on maybe even work conditions that they've seen in some of these factories when they leave whether right. it's in china or bangladesh right uh, and that's more of a social justice kind of uh, argument rather than um an economic one right but yeah would those would the economic kind of uh hardship that it put on it from them moving away or any negatives, but people kind of overlook that and say, I want to be able to produce my masks yeah. in my country or exactly. to be able to have that kind of stuff. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of stuff with um, China. You know, there are some people that seem to think that they might have known it was going on and there's evidence to say that they stockpiled masks. And I mean, I'm not going to speculate on that, um, yeah. but if if people are feeling that way, they might want their, their uh, products produced in their country because they feel like it's maybe safe for them right not because they you know dislike globalization but like there's just that that level of kind of uh i don't know if you call it distrust but uneasiness yeah right with well, with that global market and, and how easy it could collapse
0: right so before i go on my spiel because i do have a very strong opinion about this um, like, and I don't know why I'm so passionate about this. It might just be from school. And I like some of like the, my political science, um, classmates and like my debates with them, because I feel like they don't see the full picture especially <laughs> coming from my business side. But just like, I just want to get your personal opinion first about do, what do you think about like this quote in general? Like, do you think, um, like, do you care about, um, the cheapest, like, are you still going to go for the cheapest product or like? do you, is there merit in this and like again this is just your own personal opinion i don't like yeah. if you don't want to say it you don't have to this is i just want to get your opinion or would you care about canadian production like would, would you yeah, be willing and, to pay and the and higher price
1: yeah and i i don't know if there's a bit of a a bad tag on on being nationalistic now i think you know people look at bad nationalism mm-hmm. but a love for your country i think you know in, in moderation can be a very good thing All right, and obviously I, I you know I. I'm incredibly fortunate to be in Canada in the position I am. I don't yeah. take anything for granted. So for I sure. you know and, and also with, you know, you and I just the I mean you, some of the people listening if you're close to us, know we try to do like a, you know, a drone business and photography and stuff like that and yeah. it's hard. Like starting businesses is hard. So I I really do respect the vigor of of individuals to to have businesses, that produce their their products, you know, mm-hmm. in a, in a local economy and you know, I Without going on, on too of a tangent, I think one of the issues of, of globalization that I've kind of noticed in a, in a cultural aspect is there's a very big divide between people who can do their work anywhere and people who have to to do their work, you know, whether they work in a, a blue collar job, or they have to have a, right. you know, a garage to work at. And, and, it, and we see this too in school. I mean, you know, being in university, we have lots of people where, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, my parents were always traveling, doing work. Yeah. To those people, globalization might be great, right? Right. Um, to the people that are losing jobs and stuff, uh, it can be challenging. And I think on a cultural kind of plane, we don't see that, right? Like living in yeah. London, like the most, the people we talk to is, is, you know, everything's so interconnected online. Right. You know, and I, and I realized this too with, you know, we went to a cottage, you know, up in Sault Ste. Marie and just driving up there. And just kind of looking at the way people live is so incredibly different yeah and and then to, to kind of reflect on what might that culture look like And i didn't talk to a lot of these people there's, there's amish communities there's native communities they're gonna be very different but compared to the city life and compared to what our priorities are i could only imagine right like mm-hmm. the amount of different you know policies they might vote for amount of things they would do and i think those people might be more affected by those hyper competitive international markets um, where you know there might be cheap imports where they're undercutting local businesses so I I, I would probably get behind spending a bit more money and and, and, and supporting those around us too and that's right. something that you know it like every country's dealing with it you know yeah. it's not like it's not like us or, or any country that we import from is going to say you jerks you know why right. aren't you? It's like we all just went through a pandemic yeah i want to support my neighbors right yeah, like no, that's kind of how it works yeah.
0: and like again like my so here's my thing long story short like when i'm at the superstore and i have two things in front of me like say if it's canadian made or an import i'm looking at price and that's just like i don't know if that's just me as a business major or like you know we're broke university students whatever it may be we're <laughs> on the grind whatever it is yeah I'm going for cheap. And yeah. this is the one thing that um, makes me mad is when people are just like, oh, like you should just pay for the higher price or like companies are trying to exploit and all that other stuff. And then like I took a lot of classes and businesses and uh, politics. And the one, one thing that I thought was interesting was I took a corporate social responsibility and they said that if um, you should only do like uh, CSR what's called CSR you should only pursue CSR if you're going to be profitable from it and like I'm not like saying that we should blame the consumers but if consumers wanted more CSR and they would help more like it would profit the businesses the businesses are just trying to make their profit lines and it's your job as a business as a public business is to maximize profits so you're maximizing profits by are you going to pay someone $20 to do it in Canada or are you going to pay someone $8 to do it over like when you outsource production overseas? Yeah. So you're, you're maximizing profit. If you, if you wanted more CSR, or if you wanted higher wages, or if you want like those universal wages and stuff, it is the like, first of all, it is the investors and consumers that have to do that overall. Like they have to yeah. pursue that. It's not right? a business like, it's decision. It's not, it's not the it was, business decision. Yeah. If us as consumers, and I know, like, that's like crappy to say. It's like, oh, it's the consumer's fault that businesses exploit people. But if we are willing to pay more for goods, then maybe they would pursue more in CSR. They would pursue yeah. more in that stuff. Right. No, and, and that's, then, and that's
1: where you draw the line is well, I think, yeah. you know, if you, if you make, uh, I would never pass a moral judgment on somebody no. if they buy cheap stuff, right? Like that's not exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's not where the debate should be. But yeah, from a strictly business standpoint, I agree hundred well, percent. Yeah, like if and then that's profitable. That's I mean. people and, actually cared; if they'd buy it like
0: that. Yeah, and then like that was the things in like politics classes is like you know you'd see people with like Yeti cups or like anything like that, and then they're just like, oh, you should. Like you pay more and like all that other stuff. And it's like, this is a Canadian branded thing. And like you have your MacBook, which was designed in California, yeah. but where was it actually made? You know, <laughs> like they can, like it's easy to say, like they have their Sperry's on, like where are those made? Like, yeah, like so it's easy for people to say. And then the whole idea, well, I won't get too into too much, but there's this idea in business called uh, like, a comparative advantage and I'm a huge fan of globalized Asian and comparative advantage So say if me and you both had countries I made wheat you made rice if I made wheat and rice It would cost me thirty dollars if you made wheat and rice It would cost you thirty dollars if I just made wheat it would cost me ten dollars if you just made wheat It cost you fifteen dollars, but it cost me twenty dollars to make rice It costs yeah. you I'm better Less at rice, rice, you're better at wheat. So just then it just switch. makes sense for us to switch. And yeah, I, that's the, but like when the world I know runs on oil. More, I know, there's a <laughs> lot, it's a, it is a lot of debate and like there's a lot <laughs> deeper than that. But like, you know, if like if you look at Canada, like and there's so many different measures and all that other stuff, and like people are like, we need to bring production back to Canada. NAFTA was one of the best things that happened to our literacy rates, our life expectancy rates, our education rates it's the highest it's ever been. Yeah, we might be a little more educated, like an over-educated even country now. But is that an issue? Then higher mortality rates, lower life expectancy, is that worth more? And again, that's a huge ethical debate that we won't even get into. But there's just so many deeper things so like i just thought it was a very bold claim that just like people are going to spend more money after coronavirus yeah but i mean so, like, like people
1: look at that stuff too and, and we've talked about kind of the the human side of research It's like yeah. they're not they're not like when you like i got an expert opinion like again forms of evidence right that's like the lowest in the totem pole is like the yeah. appeal to authority it's like oh just cuz you've been in the field right. but like they can they can you know they got a puncher's chance. Yeah. Right? Like if they if they take one big swing and they get it right, people will be like, these are the guys to go to after. So yeah. well, I know sometimes like when in the conclusions, they can kind of maybe push the envelope a bit yeah. and say, this might happen. And now. then
0: I'll kind <laughs> of, co- I'll, I'll kind of con- like, I'll conclude at the end, but like, this is kind of like my last little example that I would always give in class. So we live in London, Ontario. And for those who don't know, London, Ontario is kind of like a segue in between Toronto and the States. It's kind of like a middle ground. It's kind of like a big city, but. Uh, there's not much around us. And yeah. there's a city councillor. Uh, and then this was in the early 2000s. And she wanted um only all production to be within 50 kilometers within London. So anything that we sold in London, a 50 kilometer bubble, and everything else would have to get 100% tariffed. So everything would and cost twice as much. And keep
1: in mind, like Toronto is 200 kilometers away, roughly. Yes, roughly. So it's like a third or sorry a quarter of the way to toronto yeah so she wanted a 50 kilometer about a 30 mile 30 yeah. 30 minute drive
0: yeah so like we're talking like woodstock yeah like and then it's just like anything outside we get of toyota's this. cheap yeah so awesome <laughs> uh so anything around that bubble 100 percent tariff so like if you took that yep. and like even if you took canada wide Think about like bananas. Think about sugarcane. Think of like anything that we can't make in Canada and it would cost us like six times as much. So like, yeah, we might pay higher prices. But like I don't know about you, but I'm not paying forty dollars for bananas because we have to get them man made in a facility in Woodstock. Yeah, no. Right? We couldn't do so, that. So like no.
1: so again, there's just
0: certain aspects of it that like just don't make sense.
1: So that's kind yeah. of like the... But. Well, that's the one thing is like, I think I would I, you know, maybe kind of add to my position there too. is like, I I, I would like, I'd feel good supporting companies, you know, that are around us and like breweries are a big thing. Oh yeah. Like and, I yeah. and I don't want to make it seem like I shit on no, 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 local no. companies. But the idea being is that that's within reason. Right. Because people also, I'm going to say people, that's very general. You know, it, it it's also very easy to take for granted how accessible everything is to us yeah right and that's a consequence of trade with these countries like i said that make bananas that do stuff these are big things like all those avocados you like good luck getting them in ontario exactly ever watched how hard it is to grow an avocado you're not going to do it yeah right so things like that right when you can I it, it's a good idea to do that. And I'm talking about even just like eating at restaurants. Like when I say like support local, either the restaurant that's local, but like they get their food from somewhere. Exactly. And if it had a hundred percent tariff, I'd have to pay, you know, the consumer markup on top of that. Right. Be crazy. Yeah. So like when you can, yeah, help, you know, help those out around you. Well, yeah. But and it'd again, be ridiculous to say that it's immoral just to like, <laughs> yeah, go for the cheapest product. So <laughs> because like, you need that, you need that. Right. Yeah. So like, again,
0: you heard it here first on the fiscal frisk. Like support local, but also have your wits about it. But you. don't be naive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please. All right. So to conclude, um, we kind of went off there for a little bit. I'm sorry, I have a very strong opinion on this, because you know, like I said, just so many people are just like, Oh, it's the company's faults. I'm like, actually, it's, yeah, but we're all, that, it's all our faults. But yeah, but that
1: that's the thing too, is like the second somebody brings you know, like all of these like numbers, you make arguments with numbers and they're like, yeah, yeah but that doesn't make me feel great. And it's like,
0: okay, I know because well, <laughs> no one debate. wants,
1: no one wants to like think that they're the bad
0: guy, but oh. it's like, if all of us as consumers wanted change, it would change plot twist. It hasn't changed.
1: Yeah. And, th- and that's why, like I, whenever we're talking about this stuff too, it's like, I, I like to look and kind of follow the cultural trends. Cause I think that's where you get the most bang for your buck. Yeah. It's like, no one cares about what the business numbers are. It's like, what are, what are people thinking? What are right. they feeling? Right. And you know, like we say, when the dust settles from this, um, I think it'll be cultural drivers of, of what kind of changes we see in our, in our industries. Right. Cause oh, all, all industries are feeling it. There's no like yeah. one, one company that's immune to this stuff. Right. Exactly. So, except maybe facebook and all i don't know oh you don't want
0: to be facebook right now really no well and but that's about uh like the presidential stuff and uh like oh okay yeah, yeah like you don't want you don't want to get in facebook right now
1: yeah that's so, politics that's yeah. not that's not covid uh to conclude
0: <laughs> the full article though because it did bring up some interesting debates about inflation is it going to come back uh are we going to deflate uh, like kind of what is going to happen after the coronavirus this is a very important conversation And if you are an investor and especially a young investor These are questions that you should ask yourself or ask your advisor because these are very hard questions Oh, yeah, because it's really a 50 50 chance and you're really just tossing it in and like it said The safest portfolio is not safe from a pandemic and obviously we've never seen this stuff before So how are we going to bounce back? How are we going to do this? so I'll let you guys off with that inflation is a hard grasp and um, it's never been an issue, so we'll see what happens. Um, do you have any final thoughts or comments or questions? No, it was good. I liked the, uh,
1: some of the speculation stuff too. It's, it's neat to just, uh, you know, think about what it might do. Right. And, yeah. and, and exact just said, we encourage you guys to do that as well. All right. Well
0: no, And again, I just, I hate the the status quo. And I feel like we should be questioning this type of stuff. And, uh, like, like I said, people are kind of just getting cocky right now with the market, but in reality, we have no idea where the market's going to go or what everything's going to do. So this oh, is, yeah. this is I know, very like, interesting.
1: With anything, even if you think you know, it's like, you know, play devil's advocate. Like, what if it weren't that way? Right. Right. Challenge things. That's yeah. that's that kind of intellectual process. And even if a couple experts say you know, this will happen. That's, doesn't mean that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, like like we said, we
0: went on so many different places on that like topic. Right. So like they, like, they didn't just throw out one. They're just like, these are the four things that can happen. And it's (laughs) just like, it's like, yeah, well, one of those things are going to happen. So I think that's a good place to, for us to end. Uh, thanks for every, uh, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the fiscal frisk. As always, I'm your host, Zach Hunter, Devin, we don't know if inflation will fall or rise, but do you know what is on the rise? the hottest podcast in town and that's the health science podcast. So go listen to Devin and I talk about topics relating to health science on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, I'll leave uh, the reference and my email in the description. So if you have any comments, suggestions, or articles that you want us to cover in the future, uh, let us know how we're doing. Signing off from both Devin and I, have a great day.